Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmadukulu nusalli ala Rasulil Kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. All right, teach us Surah Al-Nas. Uh, which commentary are you using? So basically, I just went through the tafsir and I went through every single point. So basically, okay. however it was lift, listed out on the website, I went in that okay. exact order. Perfect. Okay, so that's uh, tafsir Ibn Kathir. Okay. So um, both of the surahs, um, also my pronunciation of some of these words may be completely wrong. So um, Surah Al-Falak and An-Nas, um, both of the surahs were, were revealed in um, Al-Madina. And there were a bunch of names that I didn't know of. So I first um, described who they were in, um, in my own notes of this. So the first one was um, Abdullah ibn Masood. And he was a companion of the Prophet And do I have to say after every single time or in this context, is that okay? Yeah, as long as you do it at least once. Some are of the opinion you have to do it every time. Majority opinion is that in like a particular setting, so to speak, you do it at least once. Okay. And he had his own mushaf, which is copy of the Quran. Um, so the last two surahs, they are referred to as the Al... You're going to have to help me here. Al-Muadzatayn. Yeah, Al-Muadzatayn. There you go. Um, and that refers to the last two surahs of the Quran. And the reason why they're called that is because even though the two surahs are separate, the contents are so deeply related and resemble each other, they have been given um, that name. And that basically means the two surahs in which refuge with Allah has been sought. Um, Imam Ahmad, he is a scholar that combi- uh, compiled the collections um, of the Sunni Hadith, and it's called uh, the Musnad. Yeah. Um, there was one person, his name was Zir bin Hubeish. Um, I did not know too much about him, but I do know that he narrated a lot of hadiths. Yeah, so, so like what you find here is, is Imam Ahmad, he has his hadith collection called the Musnad. And in that he's narrating this hadith where Zir is, is citing Ubay bin Kaab. And so, so think of Ubay, he's the companion. And Zir is the one quoting from the companion, right? Mm. And so a lot, so he's sort of like a level two narrator. And and so that information, especially in English, is much harder to find. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. So yeah, Ubay, he was a companion of the prophet and he was also a scribe for the prophet. So he was one of the people who like helped put the surahs into writing. And I also found that he helped Abu Bakr and Omar with fatwas. And he also had his own mushaf, like his own copy of the Quran. So, yeah, so, so when we're speaking of uh, a companion having their own mushaf, essentially what we're saying is that they learned directly from the Prophet, peace be upon him. And, and they probably had the ability to read and write. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was a very close companion, had his own mushaf, Ubay had his own mushaf. And there's essentially two other people that are often list, listed as like the core people, where it's almost as though they learned the entire Quran directly from the Prophet, peace be upon him. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And so getting into um, the first part, um, which is the positions of Ibn Masood concerning the first two surahs. Um, what I have is Ubay um, told Zir bin Hubaysh that Ibn Masood did not record the first two surahs. Last and, two surahs, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, the last two surahs. And yeah. Zir bin Hubaysh told this to Imam Ahmad, who recorded this. Um, so Ubay testified that the Prophet um, told him that Jibreel said to him, uh, the first two surahs and or, or yeah the first two surahs and um, 
So yeah, I believe that this is just a way of like him proving that the first two sewers were revealed to the prophet because um, he does reference um, the angel Jibreel and um, then he says the first two um, ayats of each surah. Yeah. So essentially, essentially what's going on here is when uh, they're actually writing out the whole Quran. So remember, uh, under Abu Bakr, they, you know, he launched the project to write out the whole Quran as one piece. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud's copy didn't have the last two surahs. And, and so one way that was understood was that, well, the Prophet peace didn't teach him those two surahs, you know, mm-hmm. or he didn't teach him exclusively those two surahs. So Abdullah bin Mas'ud didn't, didn't feel compelled to write it in his mushaf. But that was one of the questions at the time of writing out the, 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 the Quran. Now, why is that important? Just because Abdullah bin Masood is one of the closest companions to the Prophet. Like we all know Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman, and Ali, right? Right. Abdullah bin Masood would be very close to that list of, of the top of the top few companions okay. in terms of their devotion and spending time with him. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. So then I went to the next page and there were some more um, terminology that I decided to define. Um, the first was Sahih Muslim. That's uh, one of the six major hadith collections collected by Muslim Ibn al-Hijaj. Um, there's Uqba bin Amir. He was uh, a companion of the Prophet. And he, I did, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia and I did find some more information. Um, it, basically, I found that he helped the Prophet transport goods. And he was an early reader of the Quran since he was a proficient writer and a poet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And Muslim recorded that Uqba bin, or Ibn, is it Ibn or Bin? Because I looked it up on Wikipedia and there were two different. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a subtle difference. So if you were to say the name as one piece, it's Uqba bin Amir, okay? okay? Now, if you were to write it out, you write it as Bin, unless Bin is the first word in the next line, then you write Ibn. It's a subtle, it's a subtle, subtle point. So for our purposes, either one's fine. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so Muslim recorded that Uqba bin Amir said that the Prophet said, do you not see that there have been ayat revealed to me tonight, the like of which has not been seen before? And then he says um, the two ayats that were that we previously went over. Mm-hmm. And it was also said that the, the, this hadith is Hassan Sahih. And I looked that up and that basically means um, it's good and it's supported by a chain of narrations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have a question. So um, on this website, it does say that um, there is a virtue. And I was a little bit confused as to what the virtue was through this. And do you know what page that is? Um, yeah, let me find it real quick. Yeah, it says the virtues of Surahs Al-Falaq and An-Nas. Yeah, right. Yeah. So here, one of the virtues is simply that Allah has never revealed anything like these two Surahs. Okay. And, and so what's special about these two surahs? They're directly protections against all these different kinds of evils. I mean, ultimately, the whole Quran is protection against all these different kinds of evils. But Surah Al-Fatah, Surah Al-Nas specifically have that role. As, as you can see in the text, right? I seek refuge. Yeah, I seek refuge. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then going on to the next page, um, there were two uh, more collectors of hadiths. Their names were Al-Nasai and Abu Dawood, and they each had their own collections. 
Um, and then there was another narration where Uqba bin Amir said that the Prophet وسلم, said, oh, Uqba, will you not ride? Um, Uqba was scared that this would be like an act of disobedience. So the Prophet got down and Uqba rode. Um, then the Prophet rode and then the Prophet said, oh, Uqba, should I teach you uh, two surahs that are the best of the two surahs that people recite? Uqba then said, of course, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet then taught him the two ayats that we said above. Um, the Prophet then led a, play, a prayer and said to Uqba, what do you think? Oh, Uqba, recite these two surahs whenever you go to sleep and whenever you get up. And I actually, it was kind of interesting me reading that because um, my mom has always told me to read these two surahs whenever I go to bed. So I just thought that was a nice connection. And mm-hmm. nice. yeah, and th- there was a lot of um, Hadith uh, literature that supported this narration. There were a couple different um, uh, imams that supported it. And <laughs> another narration was when Uqba said, I was walking when the prophet said, oh, Uqba, say, oh, Uqba, say, uh, Uqba then responds with, what should I say? The Prophet responds with the two ayats. Um, after Uqba recites these, the Prophet says, no person beseeches with anything like these, and no person seeks refuge with anything like these. Mm-hmm. And in that line, I was a little bit confused with that. Okay, sure, sure. So first, let's just talk about like the setting and what's going on here. The Prophet is riding, let's say hypothetically, he's riding on a camel, mm-hmm. and Uqba is sort of leading him while walking. And then the prophet says to him, you know, why don't you sit up here and I'll walk. And so then Okwa gets concerned, okay, I better, I better do it out of obedience. Because out of respect, he didn't want to do it. Because it's the prophet, right? How can I sit while he's walking? And so then they would they would exchange places periodically. And while this is taking place, the prophet is then telling him about these two surahs. And in is there a connection between the event and the two surahs? Maybe. You know, maybe in the sense that Uqba uh, is afraid Shaitan is trying to distract him from obeying the Prophet or something. Maybe, or that's just what was on the Prophet's mind, peace be upon him. And then, and so at the end, when the Prophet teaches him this, and he says, no person asks for anything, asks with anything like these, no person seeks with refuge, anything like these. It's basically saying that these surahs are just completely unique as prayers for protection. So... Uh, the closest thing we have uh, in Islam to these two surahs is when you're just saying "A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim," right? Like "Ul a'udhu birabinas, a'udhu billahi," and so so I seek refuge with Allah from the accursed from the accursed devil. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim, and so so that's probably the closest thing. Otherwise, these two surahs are specifically their primary purpose is protection from things like shaitan, from things like black magic, from things like witchcraft and all those things, from envy. Mm-hmm. And so, so you find the prophet, peace be upon him, speaking this way a few times here and there. He speaks of al-Fatiha as something that's like which has never been revealed before. We'll see that when we get to it, inshallah, later on. And that's what he's saying about this. Gotcha. Yeah. And, okay, so then I went to the next page and there was another uh, person named Ibn Abis al-Juhani. Um, I could not find too much on him, but I kind of assumed he was just um, someone who uh, narrated some of the hadiths, and then he was like one of the people in like the chain of transmission of the hadiths. Is that true? So this this is a companion, but yeah, we don't know too much about him. But yeah, okay. And and then there was Malik ibn Anas. He was also mm-hmm. someone who um, compiled a collection of hadiths. And then there was Sayyid al-Khudri. 
and he was a companion of the Prophet and one of the most frequently quoted narrators of Hadith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Abu Sayyid al-Khudri has narrates a lot. Yeah. And so Imam Malik, along with um, some others, recorded that Aisha, who is uh, one of the wives of uh, the youngest wife of the Prophet, is that mm-hmm. true? Okay. Um, that uh, whenever the Prophet was suffering from an ailment, he would recite the, first, or the last two surahs over himself and blow them over himself. Um, then if the pain became severe, Aisha would recite the surahs over him and take his hand and wipe it over himself, seeking the blessings of those surahs. So these surahs, um, like, like pretty much like you've been saying, they're a source of protection and stuff. So this is just mm-hmm. more support for that in another example, I believe. Yeah. So, so one way to think of the protection is just to recite it. Right, because then it's like a dua, you know, I seek refuge and such. And then on top of that, it's almost like a type of medication, uh, almost like a painkiller, because that's literally what the Prophet peace upon him was doing. And and so a point to think about is that in in common pain, you know, there's one aspect of it that is physiology, and then there's another aspect of it that is shaitan trying to inflame it. And, and so would this remove the physiology? Maybe, maybe not Alana's best, right? Would this remove the shaitan aspect? Yeah. Gotcha. And um, Abu Sayyid said the prophet used the first two surahs to, uh, to seek protection against the evil eyes of the jinn and mankind. And this was also supported by lots of um, Hadith literature. And it was also Hassan Sahih, which means it's good. And there was a lot of um, chains of transmission that support this. And then getting to the actual surah itself, um, I basically made a chart and then there was like uh, the, um, the ayat in Arabic and then it's translation. So the first ayat basically means, um, I seek refuge with the Lord of Al-Falaq. And I looked into Al-Falaq and that basically means the daybreak. Um, and then uh, uh, from the evil of what he has created. So this means the evil of all created things. And there are um, a few sources that say that um, this refers to hell, Iblis, and the progeny, and among that which he Allah created. So it's protection from a lot of different things, in essence. Mm-hmm. And then, so one one way to think about okay, falak itself is like that first you know burst of light, uh, uh, at least in the day. And I remember one scholar way back in the day who would say, "This is the Big Bang," you know, and it's like right there. <laughs> but all in his best. And then a subtle point here is that in terms of manners, when we're speaking about Allah, we only say good things. And so here we're technically not associating the evil to Allah. We're associating the evil to the creations, even though Allah is the creator of everything, right? Right. So if we're to objectively say, did Allah create evil? Yes. Uh, but out of manners, we might say Allah allowed evil to happen. And here, the manners that we're being taught here is that we associate the evil with creation. Yeah. Okay, good. Keep going. So, uh, yeah. So then the third line um, um, basically translates to, and from the evil of the Gossip when Wakab. And there was different um, evidence for this. So the so there was a new term I learned, Mujahid. That's basically a Muslim engaged in jihad. And um, he basically said that um, Qasik is the night and when it woke up refers to the setting of the sun. Um, yeah, so, so you're correct about Mujahid. That's someone who does jihad. Uh, this Mujahid is actually a person's name. 
<laughs> just like Sahih Muslim is, you know, Muslim is the name of the guy who is the compiler. Mujahid is this person's name. Okay. He's an early commentator of the Quran. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I was a little confused. I was like, this is a little vague, but okay, that makes a lot more sense. Um, and then there were some different evidence. So I'll just read them off. Um, another yeah. one, this means the sun when it sets. Um, Ibn Zayd said, this means the stars. Uh, the, Arab, uh, the Arabs used to say, Al-Ghasik is the declination of the positions of the heavenly body known as Pleiades. I, I was honestly not too sure what that. Um, That's a, a consolation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the number of those who were ill and stricken with plague would increase whenever it would decline and their number would lessen whenever it rose. Could you explain yeah. that a little bit more? So, <clears throat> so the first part of this is, is basically that Ghasik uh, and uh, Waqab is basically, uh, so why are these not translated? Because these are words that are not used very often, even in the Quran. And so people are trying to figure out exactly what this means. And so it's basically the evil in the darkness when it spreads. And one way for us to understand that is that a lot of crime happens at night. You know, oppression is 24-7, but the crime that people commit, robs, robbing, thieving, stealing, cheating, betraying, a lot of that stuff happens at nighttime. And so that's one way to look at this. Now, then there's also this reading that, you know, that there's this connection between, you know, the, like, almost it seems like astrology. And that uh, we're probably going to hold partially with a grain of salt, because it's not so much that, that this is a, a proof. It's more that Ibn Zayd is saying that the Arabs used to make a connection. And, and there, it's not so much the, the issue of people getting sick at this time. For our perspective, we'd be like, okay, yeah, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. You know, like, you know, it's kind of like saying, you know, it's a full moon, more people turn to werewolves. You know, mm -hmm. you take it with a grain of salt. But the point is that the saying has this word ghasik. And that's how we have an idea of what the word ghasik means. See what yeah. I'm saying? So we're focusing here on the use of the word as opposed to the whole thing about people getting sick. Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then for the last ayah, uh, it basically translates to, and from the evil of the blowers and knots. And then the um, explanation for this was uh, Mujahid. He said that this means the witches when they perform their spells and blow into the knots. So I, I was a little confused on this, but I'm assuming this refers to like um, protection from like black magic and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so one of the techniques is to get one of your hairs and to tie it in a knot and blow some curse on it. And that's a thing. Okay, gotcha. So the whole Pleiades thing, you know, take with a grain of salt, witchcraft, blowing on nuts, that's a thing. Okay. Yeah. And then going from there, um, in another hadith, uh, it has been reported that Jibreel came to the prophet and said, are you suffering from any ailments? So this is going back to the thing about um, how these surahs um, have healing properties. And then the prophet replied, yes. So Jibreel said, in the name of Allah, I recite prayer, rukya over you. Uh, from every illness that harms you, from the evil of every envious person and evil eye, may Allah cure you. So this is just more support um, for the idea that the sewers have protection and healing powers from envious people and the evil eye. Yeah, so Arukia is a general term for, for this type of protection, you know, the, the protection from the unseen evil things. Gotcha. And then, uh, and then um, it goes to Surah and Nas. Uh, so the prophet um, was bewitched by Libid bin Asam. Um, 
Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, it was not. Okay. <laughs> uh, he is uh, from the tribe of Banu Zoraik, and he was an ally of the Jews and a hypocrite. Uh, he bewitched him with a comb and hair from the comb. The prophet went to the well to remove the comb, and when he saw the water, it looked like it had henna soaked in it, and the palm trees were like the heads of the devils. Um, he then tells Aisha um, that Allah has cured him. And yeah. so what's happening is that the prophet started having these strange memories of things, like he did something, but he didn't actually do it. And, and he's also super sick for a long time. Nobody can figure out what's going on. As it is, when he would get sick, he'd get way more sick than most people. Uh, but here, uh, people couldn't understand. And then he was informed, uh, I believe by Jibreel alayhi salam, that all right, what actually happened is some people put a curse on you. And, and so then uh, they had to get the hair um, which was still stuck in this comb, which the, 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 the warlock or the witch, whatever you want to call him, tossed into a well. And so people literally had to go down and, and find it, and they did. And, and then, you know, the, the curse was broken, and the Prophet received these surahs as, as protection. And, and this story troubles a lot of people because they say that, all right, if the Prophet is vulnerable like this, then that calls the entire Quran into question. And the answer is, yes, the prophet was vulnerable like this. Mm. And then he received the protection uh, against that. And so one of the things you're going to see little by little as we go through all this, and I tried to touch on this in the class that you're taking with me, mm. uh, is that we have like an idealistic view of, of the whole story of Islam, story of the Quran. Right. And as you learn more, it becomes much more real world which for a lot of people, it shakes their faith, but actually should enhance your faith by really making it something you can imagine playing out in, in, in real time, so to speak. Yeah, I really like the use of the examples as support because it really made it a lot more real with like real world examples. And yeah, yes. I agree. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's something you're gonna appreciate as, as we go through all this. Okay, uh, anything else? Um, yeah, a little bit more. Um, so then um, it got to the actual Surah Nas, and then there was just some um, translations I had. Um, so for the first ayat, I seek refuge with the Lord of Anas. And then there was an interesting thing that I read about um, who Anas refers to, and it does include mankind and jinns, and there is a lot of support for that. Um, yeah, that, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to continue going, unless you had an elaboration. No, I was going to say that it, that is a, a question. So when you're saying, I seek refuge in the Lord of mankind, the King of mankind, the God of mankind. And then at the end, it says from the jinn and mankind. Uh, at the end, when it's saying mankind, it's referring to humans. But at the beginning, it may be referring to humans and jinns. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. And then it's the King of Anas, the God of Anas. So it's just saying, you know, the King of mankind. Um, from the evil of the whispers who withdraws. Um, I do have, um, I go into that a little bit later, but who whispers in the breasts of Anas, of jinns and Anas. So yeah, so then there's a little bit more of an explanation here. So Allah is the Lord of everything. So who, so whoever is seeking protection should seek refuge with um, the one Allah who has these attributes from the evil of the whispers who withdraw. So it's basically saying that Allah is all powerful. He's the almighty. So we should seek refuge with him. He's also the ones who created the evils, like you said earlier. Um, and then when it talks about whispers, that's basically the devil that is assigned to man and the devil will go to any lengths to confuse and confound um, mankind. And then the only person who is safe is he whom Allah protects. So that's just more support that, you know, the surahs are there for protection for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so when you're born, <laughs> Shaitan, the accursed devil, uh, assigns a jinn to you. And and so that jinn's whole responsibility is to live life with you. He's there with you right now. My jinn is with me right now. And his job is basically to master you and to figure out what all your weak spots are. And and then the companions ask the prophet, be do you have one of these two? And then the prophet says, yeah, but mine became Muslim. Right. <laughs> That uh, that particular gym, its title is a Qareen, usually spelled a Q A R E E N, and literally that's his whole job for for your whole lifetime. Okay, I suspect that when people see ghosts, they're actually seeing the Qareen of the person who died. Oh wow! Because that's literally what uh, you know, like literally the, that that is sort of inhabiting you for your whole life. Right. Jin probably doesn't even know how to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I do have a question about this, actually. So since you said each person, okay, so when you say person, are you referring to mankind? Because when it talks about anas, it refers to, there's evidence that it refers to like us humans and jinns. So when you say there is a jinn assigned to, is there a jinn assigned to a jinn? That's like, an interesting question. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay I think that's... the hard part there is... Uh, is it possible for jinns to prevent other jinns from seeing them? That's way beyond my knowledge. You know? okay. <laughs> but I wouldn't put it, I mean, I would assume Shaitan would also do that too. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So you already went over this. There's a devil assigned to each person and the, the devil that was assigned to the prophet, um, he actually converted, he accepts Islam. And, and then one of the prophets of the wife, uh, Safiya, um, that's her name. And then, um, Ittakaf, that's basically an Islamic practice where you stay at a mosque for a number of days to devote yourself in ibadah. Um, we went over this in class. Ansar refers to the helpers. These were like the local inhabitants of Medina who took in the prophet and his followers who are the... I'm blanking on the word. Mahajirs. Mahajirs, yeah. Um, into their homes uh, when they emigrated um, from Mecca during the Hijra. Um, Safiya, she uh, visits the prophet during Ittakaf and he walks her back home when um, two of the Ansar meet him on the way. And there was a line I was confused on. It goes, verily, Shaitan uh, runs in the son of Adam like the uh, running of the blood. And verily, I feared that he might cast something into your hearts, or he said evil. Yeah. So, so basically, the prophet literally got married to her, uh, if not that day, right around this time. Okay. And so he's with her, and then they're walking around, and then these two companions see them. And, and so and then, they, then they start walking faster. Right. And so the prophet catches up to them, peace be upon him. And he says, okay, that's my wife. And they said, oh yeah, we never would have suspected anything. And the prophet said, I'm still saying this because Shaitan's still going to type with the, the, the thought in your mind, because he's just running through a person like blood is running through them. Just waiting for, you know, the moment to strike. Right. Okay. So, okay. That makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. So like even to the most firm believers, you know, I don't know. A reminder is always good. <laughs> I guess that's the main message here. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's a it's a really good way to put it because yeah, these are these are unsolvers. These are super dedicated people to the prophet peace be upon them. And then lastly, uh, the whispers, al waswas. Those are um, the whispers who withdraws. Um, the devil who is squatting perched upon the hearts of the sons of Adam. Um, so I really thought this was interesting because. Um, growing up, like I was always told, like the devil's whispering in your ear. So like. Um, the fact that even in the Quran, it refers to them as the whispers who like, you know, are trying to put these ideas into your mind. I thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
Yeah, and and so that's essentially the devil's primary technique. And waswasa, like the the retreating whisper, think of the 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 tongue of a snake, the way it sticks out and then pulls back. And so the devil's literally trying to you know put a a, a thought in you, or a seed for a thought to come. Hey, Takwa, give us just a moment, inshallah. We're finishing up a, a, a meeting, inshallah. Yeah. And so, so uh, it, literally, he's just putting a thought in you for, for a moment. And his hope is that you then start fixating on the thought as though it's your own, forgetting that it's coming from the devil. And then you fixate it on more, fixate on it more, leading to either, you know, some sort of bad action, ultimately. <laughs> and that's his relentless... Uh, attempt and so it could be that he's trying to distract you or he's trying to inflame one of your temptations or something but that's literally bam you know the thought in your mind almost like at a subtle subconscious level right and then when we obey he withdraws yeah and that's that's the way he gets upset yeah okay very good nice and you feel like you learned some things here oh a lot of things (laughs) okay okay And then as you go through further, you're going to get a sense of the things that are repeating or the big ideas, the things you need to focus on. And then a lot of things you may not have to remember as much. Hmm. So like with a lot of things you may not have to remember as much will be like the names of people. Okay. Some names are going to keep appearing. Some names, if you like, if I'm saying it's a close companion, then it's a good thing to, to remember that person's name. Like Abdullah ibn Masood is, is, uh, is a very, very good name to know. And and like I said, a lot of this is going to just develop by way of repetition and such. Right. And so for next time, then, inshallah, uh, do Surah 112, Surah Al-Ikhlas. Okay. And next week is Thanksgiving. Did you still want to meet or did you want to, you know, take the week off or whatever? I'm fine either way. Could I let you know sooner to the day? Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because just, you know, with how things are, like, I don't know Absolutely. how tired I'll be or whatever. But did I do this? Did I do this correctly? Do you think? Like, you did it 100% correctly, mashallah. It was really good. Thank you. Yeah. So I know you have another meeting, so I'll leave now. But thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Allah